The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. Good to see everybody. Everybody excited about high school? <laughs> Eighth grade's cool, isn't it? Because you're like at the top of the top of the totem pole. Top dog. And now full shift, full swing. How many of you go to uh, a pretty small school, Christian school or a small public school? Quite a few of you. All right. The public high school here that my kids go to, about seventy per graduating class. That's pretty small, isn't it? How many of you go to like a really big school, big public school? A lot of you, okay. What is really big? A couple thousand people, maybe? 1,500? That's big, yeah, that's, that's good size. I had some kids here one week, they may have been last week, and their school's like 3,200 people. I, I think that uh, that might be good because you could kind of, hide out you know what I mean like I, my my oldest daughter um it's not going to be so much a sermon this morning by the way we're going to we're going to look at some scripture but I want to give you some really practical things that'll help you start here's the goal of the of the session this morning uh and it won't be a real long session um start high school well run well finish well and that's gonna this next four years could potentially set literally the course for the rest of your life it's ice machine don't worry don't freak out when you hear that there's nothing there's nothing behind the door no no monsters no sasquatch uh but anyway um there's you know my daughter was my oldest daughter when she was a senior she was i think she had it was one of those deals where she finished she's basically done at christmas you know and so she had the second semester just kind of goof off and uh so her graduating class, like 68 people, that's pretty small, especially for a public school. So then she was gonna go visit a friend in Orlando and she goes down there and that girl goes to one of these schools, like 3,000 people. And my daughter said, you know, it was kind of nice because she, she just went to school with this girl. Nobody even realized this random girl was there at the school for the, you know, for like, she went, I think two days with her and, uh, and, and uh, at, our school if a random person showed up like everybody would know you know like hey who's that um but she was talking about how in one sense it felt like you could sort of kind of form your little clique or group of folks and and kind of be safe there where like in a smaller school uh, do you find it to be true everybody knows everybody's business you know what i mean like everybody knows everything about everybody so that can be hard so i want to give you some some practical things i've got uh, in my in my kids rooms in, in in my kids bedrooms I put little whiteboards there's little dry erase boards and what I do is every week I write down some thought some quote some scripture verse and that's kind of their thought for the week and then at some point in the week I'll sit down with that kid and we'll we'll unpack that idea or that thought so sometimes I'll do uh, just a Bible verse one of my favorite Bible verses or something like that or something meaningful um, to me personally, but a lot of times 
I'll write a quote, and a lot of a lot of the quotes are, are like my own personal quotes. Things like sort of uh, that over the years God has put in my life. I've got sort of a list of things that I try to to live my life by day to day, and I want to share some of those with you this morning. Some scripture, and then some things that I think will help you. Um, like for instance, uh, the quote that I put on my son's, my oldest son's whiteboard last week was. Look for opportunity where others see only despair. Or look for opportunity in the midst of difficulty. So like a person that's following Jesus, eyes fixed on Jesus, looking for opportunity every single day of life. You're going to see that when difficulties arise or like hardship or trial or something that really looks like it's going to create problems for you. Rather than seeing that as a major setback, you see it as an opportunity. You see what I'm saying? For you to grow, for the Lord to get big in your life. So I want to work through some stuff like that. That's not, that's not one of them that we're going to look at this morning, but there you go. There's, there's one we used last week. Uh, so I want to give you, uh, I want to read one verse from 1 Corinthians 13, and it's verse 11. And it's probably going to be a familiar verse to you. Uh, and then I'm going to give you about a dozen bullet points. These are going to be super easy to, to write down, those of you that are note takers. Real easy to write down. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. Okay, now in the biblical idea of a child, he's talking about roughly from about 8th grade down is what he would be talking about. Because in the Jewish world where this was being written, you were expected around age 13 to, to transition into adulthood. And what we've done is in America, in our society what the world is telling you is no 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 these are these are extended years of like childhood now you would never consider yourself a child but the world is often going to going to convince you that you don't need to embrace responsibility you don't need to you don't need to grow up you can grow up later it's kind of like this ongoing uh uh what's the guy peter pan you know like like the the, the neverland mentality it's like no let's just be kids forever did you guys remember the childhood story Pinocchio? Remember that one? Remember Pinocchio goes to that island and all those boys are just having a good time and goofing off, but it ends up being really a bad thing because they're being enslaved as they think they're just having a, like the ultimate childhood. And I think it's more, our society is creating more of a Pinocchio situation than a Peter Pan situation. Y'all know both those stories? Peter Pan's kind of like, oh yeah, just be a kid forever and it's one big adventure and we're really being tricked. And so the sooner in your life that you can begin to embrace adulthood and you're like, man, I don't want to grow up right now. No, no, no. It's time. Like it's time. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. Let's see what else he says. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. So in your life, you're in that season right now where if you can begin to mature, here's what I find to be true. I talked to ninth graders who love Jesus, are focused on the Word of God, submitting to authority in their lives, doing the things that we're going to talk about this morning, God will accelerate your maturity where it's not uncommon to me, and your student pastors probably share similar experiences, to sit down with a group of solid, Jesus-focused ninth graders that are head and shoulders above some college kids that I'll interact with. Because if you'll fix your eyes on Jesus and you'll focus on growing in your Christian walk, that's going to be where you mature and that's going to be where you mature in the right way and that's going to help you get through the next four years and here's let me let me let me make one promise to you before we walk through this list if you will nail this 
the first semester of your freshman year. That seems like a lengthy period of time. It's not. One, if you get this in one semester, if you'll bear down, focus on Jesus, focus on these principles, flesh this out, live this out in your life, then it'll, it'll, it'll make it easier to do it the second semester. And if you'll do it the second semester, in two semesters, you will have established yourself. And y'all, listen, I'm not kidding. This, this, I've seen this happen over and over, and I've seen it happen with my own kids. Going into your sophomore year, so much pressure will come off of you because people will just expect, oh, no, man, she follows Jesus. Don't even, don't even bother. Oh, no, man, he's focused on the Lord. He's, he's committed to his youth group. And they may come up with goofy sayings like, he's a church kid. She's a Jesus girl, whatever. But they'll back off and they'll give you space. But if you play around and play games with your faith and try to win the approval of people at school to, because you feel this pressure as a freshman to prove yourself and make people think you're popular, here's the thing. The senior class, when you go in this year, they're going to seem so much older and so much more mature and so much more intimidating. They're going to be gone when you start your sophomore year. Like they're gone. So these people that you're going to rub shoulders with day in and day out at school, one at a time, those classes are going to drop off and be gone, and you're going to climb that ladder until you're going to be seniors. And so don't live your life to try to impress people that you're not even going to know a couple years from now. Focus on Jesus, and here's what will happen. So much pressure will come off of you. And so let me give you some, let me give you some good principles that will help you live day to day in the transition of going from childhood to manhood, childhood to womanhood, okay? Here goes the first one. I'm going to talk fast. Fight entitlement attitude. I'll explain these. Fight entitlement attitude. Have you heard that saying, uh, she has a sense of entitlement? Have you ever heard that? Okay, if you haven't, you'll hear that at some point. Uh, a sense of entitlement means you think that people owe you something. Somebody, somebody owes me something just because I'm special or just because I think they do or whatever. And this is, you'll find this to be prevalent. You know what I mean when I say prevalent? Very common mindset in America. You'll see this a lot in America. Americans tend, to, and I'm a patriot and I love my country, and God has shed his grace on this great country, no doubt in my mind. Americans are spoiled, man. We, we have a sense of entitlement. The world owes me something, I think. And, I, and you'll see it a lot in restaurants or in retail stores. I was at a, I'll tell you a story. I was at McDonald's in our little town right here. Uh, and there was a girl about y'all's age behind the counter, probably her first job. I knew her. She went to school with one of my kids. And she's doing her best to try to punch that cash register and let people swipe their cards. And she's, it's her first job. She's making money. So I'm proud of that kid. 15, working hard, going to pay her own way. You know what I'm saying? Some of you maybe have had some, 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 some jobs where you're learning to sort of take some steps of responsibility, get your own spending money, save for a car, stuff like that. Okay, so this dude walks up beside me. This guy's older than me. He's probably 60 years old. He walks up beside me, and he's really mad. And he's mad because they, they put mayonnaise on his McChicken, and he didn't want mayonnaise on his McChicken. Y'all know how much a McChicken costs? One dollar. Should that guy be mad about that? No. Like, would it be fine if he came up and said, I'm so sorry. I hate to be a nuisance. And I'm, I'm, I know I'm a baby here. I know I'm just a big wuss. But I can't stand mayonnaise. I remember that mayonnaise skit at Snowbird, and it makes me want to puke. So could you take this sandwich and, and, and give me one without mayonnaise? That's fine. 
I wouldn't have done that. I just wiped the mayonnaise off. I'm, maybe I'm too prideful about stuff like that. But, I, I, but he's like making a scene. Okay, then he made a mistake. He tried to get me to be on his team. So you, maybe you've seen this before. He looks at me and goes, can you believe it? And he starts ranting. And you know what I said? Dude, you are pathetic. Well, that was awkward. It was a really awkward moment where I just went, no, seriously, you're a grown man. She is a teenage girl. You should be ashamed of yourself. Now, there's people listening. There's people in line. He's worked his way up to the front of the line to get to make this scene. And I look around, and I'm like, right in front of all these people, you're acting like a big baby. Was that mean of me? No, it wasn't mean. It was a fact. Why would that guy be so worked up over a $1 sandwich? Because he has a sense of entitlement. He thinks he deserves some special treatment. People make mistakes. We show grace to people when they make mistakes. There's a right way to ask for your sandwich to be changed. Okay? So there's this mindset of entitlement that says, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. Listen, the Bible teaches us that what we deserve from birth is the wrath of God. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness. The Bible says in Romans 1, and we are born into unrighteousness. So we deserve condemnation and death and hell. Have you ever heard that before? You're like, whoa, that seems kind of aggressive. No, no, that's what the Bible says. That's the beauty of it, though, is that God gives us grace instead. And he says, no, you know what? I'm going to give you salvation instead of wrath if you'll just receive it. So that's a really beautiful thing. So God has already done more than we could ever. The Bible actually says in Ephesians 3 that God is going to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Isn't that great? God's going to do more in our lives than we could ever even imagine. We just need to recognize it and receive it. So don't have a sense of entitlement. Don't go in any, any situation in life, any situation in high school thinking, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. Go in there, watch this. Work hard, expect zero for nothing. Like, don't expect anything to be given to you for nothing. Whether this is academically, athletically, musically, artistically, whatever you get, plan on working for it. This is a principle that if you can understand this early in life, it will help you a lot. You want to be on, like, you want a 4.2 GPA, then do the work, put in the work, take the harder classes that, that load or weight your GPA, bust it in, the, in, in study, and earn the grade. You want to start in position on the volleyball team? Work, 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 work. And if you don't get the starting position, don't get your mama to go up there and talk to the coach. And if you can't control your mama and she does it anyway, I apologize. I had a mom like that. Okay, like so, some of you can't, can't do anything about it. But just work, 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 work. Okay? I'm not throwing off on your mom. That wasn't a, that wasn't a your mom joke. We good? All right. All right, number two. Next, with that, embrace responsibility. Embrace responsibility. Learn to embrace responsibility. What does this mean? What is this word that begins with an R that you speak of, Brody? Responsibility is something that sometimes will be given to you. All right, so somebody would say something like, hey, I need you to do this for me, or, or could you run this errand? And so you're given a responsibility. Remember when you were a little kid? I don't know if, this, if I did this at your school, but like uh, the teacher would leave the classroom, and she'd give one little nerdy brown-noser kid the, the, that gets to write the name on the board of people that are talking. Did they do that in, your, in y'all's day? Okay. Some of you, most of you say yes. Yeah. Some people are like, no. Okay, if you're no, then you, were, <laughs> you had a good situation. So in my elementary school, 
and I'm not going to name her name. She may not even be alive today. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not on social media, so I don't know. I'm not connected with my childhood friends. This girl, who I'm not going to name, whose name might have been Susie Holbrook, but I'm not going to name her. She would go, yes, Miss Stamey, fourth grade, Miss Stamey. Miss Stamey, scariest woman I ever met in my life. One time I had the hiccups <coughs> like that, like really loud, ag- aggressive hiccups. And I'll, like, <coughs> and I'll go up there and I'm like, and I was real nervous talking to teachers when I was a kid. And I said, Miss Stamey, <coughs> you know, can I, can I go get a drink of water? And she went, why? And I said, because I've got the hiccups. And she said, let me hear you hiccup. And I went, And they were gone. She scared the hiccups out of me. <laughs> and, and, <clears throat> but Miss Stamey and Susie Holbrook, they had an agreement. Had an agreement. Miss Stamey got to go down to the principal's office, got to leave the room, whatever. Susie Holbrook will write your name down on a chalkboard. We had chalkboards back then. On the chalkboard. And when Miss Stamey gets back, if Susie wrote your name on a chalkboard, you are in trouble. So when I say embrace responsibility... I'm not talking about that, but that's what that was. Miss Stamey was giving Susie a responsibility. So think about, are there things that you can do in your life to embrace responsibility before it's given to you? I'll give you, let me give you a simple little thing. Simple little thing. You know how nice it is at nighttime to crawl into a bed that's been made up really neat. The sheets are real tight. You know what I'm talking about? folded down. I was never in the military, but kind of that military, like, you know what I'm talking about? Isn't it nice to get in those sheets? The, the pillows fluffed and, okay, you know what it's like for most of us to get in bed at night? It's a big wad of a blanket and you kind of straighten it out and crawl under it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so here's, here's something. I heard a guy say this one time, make your bed up every morning, whether your parents ask you to or not, make your bed up every morning. And here's why, because then you begin your day with, with one thing that's been accomplished that you embraced. Kind of a cool thought. I'm not saying you're a good Christian or bad Christian if you make your bed up. I'm not saying go obey your parents and make your bed up. Those are different topics of conversation. What I'm saying is establish a, a pattern of thinking that I'm going to accomplish and achieve things throughout my day that are going to require me to embrace responsibility, which probably means setting aside something more comfortable like more sleep or goofing off or, or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Simple little things. And the guy said, here, the guy that I heard give this speech, he was giving a graduation speech at the University of Texas. And he, and he says, the first thing he says, I learned to, and when I was, he was telling the military, uh, he was telling things he learned in the military. He's like, I learned to make my bed and here's what happens. You start your day by accomplishing something and you end your day with a moment of, Oh, this feels so good, you know, crawling into that bed. And I'm stoked because today I got a new mattress coming, one of them box mattresses. We put it on my bed this evening. Little was like, yeah, new mattress will be here. Curl up. We'll make those sheets really tight. Tuck them in. You know what I'm talking about with the sheets? Isn't that great? Go stay in a hotel and the sheets are all. Yeah, so, so embrace responsibility in little things. It'll establish a pattern of embracing responsibility and it'll make it easier to embrace responsibility in big things. Like for instance, maybe by the time you're a junior, you're buying all of your own clothes. <gasps> Why would I do that? Or just whether your parents ask you to or not, you start to 
take some ownership in your life. Pay, pay your car insurance. Pay your cell phone bill. Things like that. Start to establish embracing and taking responsibility for yourself. What that's going to do is that's going to shift to a, an attitude of taking responsibility for what you say and do, your words and actions. Because what happens also in our society, our culture, is people want to make excuses and not take responsibility for themselves. We have, a, we have a problem in our society where men are refusing to take responsibility for their wives, their children, and their actions. And so you've got a lot of single mom homes, uh, a lot of kids being raised by their grandparents. I come from a home where dad walked out on his own responsibility. It, was a, it had a happy ending because he came to the Lord and we had a restored fellowship and relationship. But there was a season where single mom, five kids, that's kind of tough, you know? So establish a pattern of embracing responsibility. Y'all with me? Everybody good? Everybody, you guys doing good? Okay. Philippians chapter two. A very, very helpful passage of scripture when it comes to these ideas. Philippians chapter 2, let's read verse 3 and 4. Let's actually start at the end of verse 2. Have the same love, united in spirit, intent on purpose. Okay, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Now, what is, what is he talking about? He's saying, don't do things that are all about you. Don't, don't make yourself the center of attention. Um, don't be focused on what's, what, what's going to make me happy in the moment. Don't do things selfishly, okay? But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Here's what I find to be true about the Bible. I'm preparing this morning. I was uh, in sermon prep for this Sunday at church, working on my Sunday sermon, and I'll, I'll work on it for this whole afternoon and then some tomorrow. And uh, in the introduction of that sermon, I'm going to challenge our people on Sunday at church that I feel like a lot of times we come to the scripture and we, we want to have these big monumental moments where, whoa, I just learned something so crazy. That's crazy. This new truth about God or, you know, the Bible says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. He's so magnificent. He's so majestic. There's so much to learn and know about him. But, and there are going to be those moments where you're going to have those, whoa, that's crazy. I just learned that. It's going to be awesome. But you know the reality is the Christian life is going to be more about you just being reminded each day to love God, love people, care about your neighbor, care about the kid that's sitting beside you in school. I learned this lesson as a junior. There was a girl that sat beside me. Her name was Lori Lale. And every day I liked Lori because she would laugh at my jokes. I was a class clown, cut up, goof off, silly, just stupid most times, you know, just cheesy, corny, but... Lori thought my stuff was funny. So then that just had, like, would ag me on. You know what I mean? And I really, but I never got to know her very good. I remember one morning, my junior years, late in, this, in the um, school year, it would have been my late in the like second semester. So I'd sat by this girl all year. She got killed in a car wreck on the way to school. I remember sitting in, in class, and, and she wasn't there that morning. So I, I reckon it, it was first block, and I'm like, Huh, I wonder if Lori's out today. And then I remember the principal coming in and telling my teacher something, brought her outside, and my teacher came in crying, and I remember then she had announced it to the class. It really shook me. And then I, years later in life, when I became a Christian, I thought, I thought about her a lot, and I thought, 
I wonder what my interaction with her was really like. Was, like, was she better off for having known me? You know what I'm saying? Was she better off for having sat beside me in class? So if you can think like just the simple everyday action of caring about people. That's what he's saying there in, in Philippians 2 verse 3. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. So now he says, it's not that you neglect yourself. It's not that you're having this like, I'm nothing, everybody else is great. It's that, yeah, you're caring about your own holiness. You're paying attention to your own actions and decisions and your own walk with the Lord. And you're putting effort and energy into caring for other people. You have to choose. Listen, guys, most of the time, you're going to have to choose to care about other people. Sometimes it'll come naturally. Sometimes you'll feel in your heart for someone but most times, you're going to have to go out of your way to, to care for people and to do this well. And so in Philippians 2, he's given us some things that we can work off of. Care for others, but don't just care for them. Act on it. So as you begin high school, if you can have a mindset of, we've, we've talked about don't be entitled. We've talked about embrace responsibility. Now we're getting into the action of the Christian life. Pay attention to people around you and care. If you'll put your energy and effort on those who need Jesus, need a friend, need somebody to pay attention to them, and put energy into those people, man, you'll have an incredible ministry, and you'll forget about impressing other people. I promise you. You'll, you'll be less concerned about impressing others, and you'll be focused on the people that need a friend, the people that need Jesus. It's very practical. And this is some, these are things that are going to help you for life. Like when you're 30 years old, these things will still matter. 30's old, isn't it? Imagine being 30. It's crazy. <laughs> James is like, no, 30 ain't old, man. How old do you know? 42. It's good, it's good years. The 40s. Good years. Do this. Uh, to do this, you have to pay attention and be aware of others and their situations, and their needs. To do that, you have to have, here we go, in quotes, and it's not all about me attitude. Have an it's not about me attitude. If you're going to condense that into one bullet point, you want to live your life, I want to live my life, have an it's not about me attitude. It's not about you. It's not about me. I, one of the most powerful testimonies I've ever heard is, is Gar, Dallas Bozeman. We call him Gar because his name's Garrett. His name's Dallas Garrett Bozeman. Men, you heard from him yesterday. Powerful. Wasn't that powerful? Uh, but his testimony is so intense, and he tells this story. You know, Gar won a bronze star for valor, which is a combat award. It's the f nation's fourth highest combat award, and which is a very, very prestigious thing to win. And in that battle, he was on a machine gun, and it was him and three other guys. So four guys, and they're fighting about three or 400 Taliban fighters. So four dudes fighting against 400, okay? But they've got the high ground, and they're up on a cliff, and they're fighting down into this valley. And these guys are coming in waves with machine guns and rocket-propelled grenades. And Gar was on a machine gun, okay? So he's in a little, he's behind some rocks on a machine gun, and he's been fighting. They fought for 18 hours. And there's a point early in that fight where a bullet skips off his machine gun, disables the machine gun, and the bullet then hits Gar in the helmet, knocks him out. Okay, so getting shot in the head is something that most of us haven't had happen. <laughs> you know, like that's not like, oh, I've got a friend, he got shot in the head. But the bullet hit the helmet and the helmet protected him. 
but it knocked him out. And he said he came to, it's a very powerful part of his testimony. He may have shared this yesterday. I wasn't in here. And he said, I thought, I can just lay here. It's very safe and secure behind these rocks. His nose is broken. He's bleeding from his face and head. But he said, I looked up and I saw my three buddies, their barrels of their rifles were sticking out over the, the rocks above me. And I could see that their guns were going off. Pow, 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 pow. They're shooting this enemy. This enemy who has raped countless women, murdered countless children, enslaved a whole nation of people. And they have to be defeated for good to prevail. And he said, I just laid there and thought, this is not about me. It's not about me. It's about those three brothers. It's about the women and children that need someone to fight for them. The old men who have been enslaved. So he got up and he got back in the fight. And, and, and it's always stood out with me because I think in our Christian life, especially at this point, this pivotal moment in your lives, if you can begin to develop an attitude that says every day, it's not about me, it's about Jesus and others. Jesus and others. That's what the Bible teaches us. So having it's not about me attitude. Now let's move on. We're going to, I'm going to give you some closing thoughts that are going to be super practical as far as how you do your day-to-day activity. The first one is this. Think forward. Don't just think about right here, right now. Don't just think about in the here and now. A lot of times people think about the moment, only the moment, like live for today, live for today, live for today. No, no, no. Think about what your actions and activities are going to mean for you five days from now, five months from now, five years from now. And down the road, when you're in adulthood and you're a husband or a wife with children, what your actions today are going to mean, what your thoughts are going to mean. So think forward. This also goes into, like, this is why you should take academics serious. This is why you should take, uh, some of you, some of your, some of you men especially, you're going to get to a point where you're going to realize, I'm not very good at academics. It's a struggle for me. And then you're going to take this thing that was glorious for me. It's called shop class. We had agricultural shop, we had ag, we had auto mechanics, we had small engine, we had a welding class. All of a sudden I realized I'm better at these things. Well, you know what? I've got friends that that sent them on a trajectory into the skills of the trades, electricians, plumbers, welders who make really good money, make a good living. Maybe that's the direction God takes you. Or you begin to apply yourself academically and realize I'm really good at math. So you excel And you start to prepare yourself for the next steps in life. High school is a preparatory season of life. So be thinking forward. Don't just think about the here and the now. Okay, so think forward. Fill your mind every day with an overwhelming volume of things that are good. An overwhelming volume of things that are good. Scripture, the Word of God's good, isn't it? Music, we're very musical, aren't we? How many of you, music is a part of your day every day? 90%. Okay, pretty much everybody. It's a big part of our day, every day. My kids have been, uh, Moses, who I talk about a lot, Mo has been like listening on repeat to that, uh, it might be the newest 21 Pilots song, Chlorine. Y'all know that song? He's like walking around all day. Sipping on straight chlorine, like all day. And he's like, he's got really good rhythm and he's got really good dance moves. And so it's very entertaining to watch. Music, music, music. It so impresses our mind, doesn't it? It goes into our mind. So put things into your mind that are healthy. Don't, listen, they don't have to be uh, Christian necessarily. 
I'm not saying like only listen to Christian music. You should listen to some Christian music. Some things that are going to, like there should be times in the day where you're putting God's word through music into your mind. But listen to things that aren't going to distract or pull you into negative thoughts or sexual thoughts or things like that. Listen to things that are going to fill your mind with positive, healthy things. So scripture, music, books, stories, blogs, the TV shows you watch. So like if you just binged nine straight hours on Stranger Things season three, like you probably need to purge your brain, you know, like, like face sucking monsters and middle schoolers making out is not the best way to entertain yourself for hours on end. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like disconnect from the stuff that you might watch day to day and make sure that there's good stuff going into your head. You see what I'm saying? Your thought life is where the battleground is. The war, as a freshman going into high school, the biggest war, the biggest battle you can fight is the battle for your mind. The battle for your mind. Jesus says what's going on in a man's heart, what's going on in a man's mind is going to come out in his speech and actions. So your biggest struggle and your biggest enemy is going to be internal. So, so learn to fight that well. Work hard in everything that you do. School, sports, work, job, home, and youth, church. Church is not an extracurricular activity. I never understood when parents will punish their kids by not letting them go to youth group. Dudes like me that have spent a quarter century in youth ministry, that makes me want to grab that dad and go ahead, but him, what are you doing? Take something else away. Uh, you messed up, so now you don't get to go to youth, as if it's an extracurricular activity. Like student ministry has been provided for you so that you can be discipled, so that you can work in that process of discipleship, so that a couple times a week you're able to sit down and receive the instruction of God's word and the fellowship of God's people. So work to get there, to make that a priority. Work academically. Work if you're going to play a sport, work. If you're going to be in band, practice, practice, practice. Kid down the road for me when I was growing up played that, what's that big horn? It goes tuba. Is that what it's called? Like, so boom, like this big, every day he's down there punching the same four chords. I remember it was so obnoxious. But that kid, he was practicing, man. He's committed. Like, practice, practice, practice. Little plays drums. We don't have a drum set in our house because Moses will get on the drums and just go on the cymbals. Bam, 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 for hours on end. He wants to be a drummer. So, all right, you want to practice drums? You got to go into drums. Here, away from everybody. But practice, practice. So work hard at everything you do. Now, here's, this is important. Learn to engage adults in conversation. So it was awesome. So impressive. I was so thankful and impressed. As you guys filed in, six different young people walked up here, looked me in the eyes, and they were all dudes. Shook my hand and said, good morning. That was cool. That was cool. I like that. Because you're learning to embrace conversation, engage in interaction with adults. That's important for you. That's a very important part of growing up and maturing. We're almost done. Y'all don't get distracted. Come on. <laughs> learn how to shake hands. Learn how, listen, learn how to listen more than you talk. The person you're talking to probably has something to say that you can learn. You can learn from them. Okay? Um, all right, lastly, don't be a know-it-all. Don't be a know-it-all. Sometimes, sometimes you're going to learn things from the most unlikely places. Every situation, every conversation, every person you interact with on a daily basis can teach you something. So be willing to learn. 
All right? And if you're going to put all of this under one big umbrella, it's this. Your life is lived for Jesus and his glory. To become more like him, to know him more, to worship him more, and to have an impact that points other people to Jesus. So every single day, remind yourself of the gospel of Jesus. Every single day. Cool? All right. You guys are awesome, and you can be dismissed.